You can almost uh, know exactly where I'm always going to start. I start with the biblical terms, whether they're biblical or not. Then I move to the text that directly deals with that particular word, if it is in fact found in Scripture. If not, then I move to the theological connection. The word rapture is not a biblical term. I don't understand why we're using an English word that is a translation of a Latin word, which is the translation of a Greek word. Why aren't we using the biblical term? Well, the reason we don't use it is because by using this word, it allows us to define it the way we want, rather than the way the biblical text defines it. It leads to places the text never intended for people to go. It fails to capture the intent of the text of what Paul was intending when he penned 1 Thessalonians. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, the text that we're dealing with, the gathering into the sky, the statching up, the sudden snatching up, because well, we don't like that. It's not as, not as tidy. The snatching up, the gathering in the sky. I would rather use, if I was going to use some word, I would use the ethereal reunion, because that really captures the essence of it, but that's not biblical either. So... We should just use the word that was used in the Bible and make people get used to saying hard words. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, the Apostle Paul telling these people, now, listen. At the parousia, actually use the word parousia in verse 15. At the parousia of the Lord is when you will be gathered up to meet him in the sky. In the, sky. the dead will be there as well. Go to sleep. Sweet dreams, see you at the gathering. Okay. Now, this passage, uh, people have been studying it back and forth for years and years, and they still have as little knowledge now as they had at the beginning. Because they don't want to see the text for what it means. They want to see it for their theological positions. Paul is promising God's people a gathering up. Now, Dr. Douglas Moo, whom I have great respect for, great scholar, he's post-trib, Wheaton College, great man, actually, sweet, wonderful, very, just a delightful brother in the Lord. He doesn't believe the same way I do, but he's a delightful brother. I love to be around him. I love to talk to him. Genuine, authentic. In our discussions together, he says to me, of the post-trib position, the one contradiction that he cannot answer is the issue of the taking of the saints up in the air and then coming right back down to earth followed by keeping those judgment because it doesn't make any sense because if you take all the sheep up in the air and the goats are left and you get rid of all the goats and all the, glo all the saints are glorified then how are you going to populate a millennium when everyone has been glorified glorified people are not interested in populating anything other than enjoying the presence of God so there has to be some time between the rapture and those people who will populate the millennium if the millennium are going to have any newborn people, which Isaiah 65 assures us it will. So, therefore, that can't work. It can't be one day on the day. So on the last day, oh, that must mean everything happened on the last day. Well, it, it doesn't have to mean that at all. The Bible is too rich to have to be limited just because you have that English expression. Now... Let me, let me show you something that I discovered. The, if you compare the quote-unquote rapture passages, of which 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, 18 is the big one, 
That's the rapture passage, okay? The next passage that is said to be in, in that venue is 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52, where it announces that there is going to be a resurrection at a trumpet, the last trump, which doesn't mean an instrument. It's not talking about the instrument. It's talking about a sound that it makes. He's saying at the last blowing, at the last tooting of the trumpet, dead's going to be raised and those who are alive are going to be chained in the twinkling of an eye. Everybody says that's, that's at the rapture. That's when the resurrection is going to occur at this trumpet. Now, notice the similarities between that passage and, and 1 Thessalonians. The emphasis on the resurrection of dead and alive people, twinkling chain, and a trumpet, a blowing of a trumpet. Same thing we find in 1 Thessalonians. You add to that John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Now, for a long time, this was not considered a rapture passage because of the difficulty. You start talking about a bride going off and preparing a place for his bride and then coming back and taking her in the Jewish culture, that nuptial always had at least six months of separation in the main, but more likely it was up to a year. You can't have imminency if he's got to be going at least six months to a year. Some people didn't like this one, but of late they begin to take it as, as a rapture passage. Primarily because Jesus says to the disciples, listen, I'm going to come again and get you, and I'm going to receive you, and I'm going to take you to my father's mansion where I'm going to prepare it. Which I can't understand why people say, hey, listen, Jesus is going to come, take you up in there, and bring you right back down to earth. Where is, what happened to the mansion? Well, maybe it's going to come down. Well, maybe so. But I, I thought I was going to get to go up and see it in heaven for just a little bit. Disappointed I'm not. In the, John, in the John 14, the Lord is going to have to descend in order for him to come and get us because he says, I'm going to my father's mansion. That's got to mean some kind of descent. It also has to mean some kind of evacuation because he says, I'm going to gather you and take you to my father's mansion where it is where I prepared it. And that's just straightforward biblical sense. And it also has to involve resurrection. Now, I put a question mark by it because... It, it doesn't explicitly say resurrection, though if Jesus is gone long enough, somebody's going to be dead, they're going to have to be resurrected. So I'll put a question mark by it just in case you accuse me of not being textually consistent. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, pre-tribulationalists all agree that at least 2 Thessalonians verse 1 is talking about the rapture. The parousia of Christ and I'll gather together to him. We're going to be gathered to Christ at the parousia. So at least verse 1 is considered to be a rapture passage, quote-unquote. Now, in there, we also have to, we will have to assume resurrection. I put a question mark by it because Paul says we, meaning Paul. Now, maybe Paul didn't think he was going to be dead before it happened, but now that he is, we have to, we have to, we know it includes resurrection now, Okay. Also, it talks about an assembling, our episunago, our gathering together to him. And then thirdly, that the Lord is going to descend. The parousia always involves some kind of movement from one place to another. Now, it can emphasize the result of that movement, a presence, but it always implies that he had to come to it from somewhere. So he says, okay, boys and girls, uh, these are the rapture passages. These are the similarities. Now, what do you notice? Look at the chart. Do you notice something that's very interesting? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52, is agreed upon by just about all rational people who believe in some kind of gathering of God's people that these are rapture passages. 
But I want you to notice the characteristics. Each one of them, at best, at worst, only has two characteristics of the mother of all rapture passages, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. Now, let me show you something I found really fascinating. What happens if you add Matthew 24, 29, 31 to this? Now, hermeneutically, you do not build theology on similarities. And you don't build them on generalities. When you start reducing the Bible to nothing but similarities and generalities because it happens to mention a word in two places, therefore it must be similar, you're always going to get into error. It's not about similarities. It's about exegesis of the text and whether the text, in fact, has that authorial intent. If so facto, they throw out Matthew 24, 29, 31. It says, not a rapture passage. This passage was written to the Jews. Therefore, it has nothing to do with the church. It's fascinating. But you just arbitrarily make that decision because it doesn't agree with your theology instead of allowing it to speak for itself <laughs> or forcing it to deal with a topic that it was never intended to. But I want you to notice if you just examine it on the basis of content only, what it has. Isn't that interesting? So well, it doesn't say anything about it, really a resurrection. It says it's going to gather them from all the four winds and all the four directions. So, well, that really doesn't say it's actually going to be a resurrection. It's okay, so I'll put a question mark by that one. Maybe it does, maybe not. But it does talk about a trumpet. It does talk about angels. It does talk about an assembling. And it does talk about the Lord's descent. Now, just on the basis of content, now you have to define each one of these terms. You can't just say that because he uses a trumpet, it, that, would, that would be violation of the hermeneutic. But the fact that you have a trumpet in connection with the gathering of God's people up in the air, and this passage mentions the trumpet blowing and the angels then gathering people, is not proof, but it simply says, I may need to look deeper here for significance. Or similarly, resurrection, or similarly, angels gathering the people, or an assembling episonago. Now, when I was studying this, I was messing around there, and suddenly discovered that this assembling idea that's used in Matthew 24, 29, and 31 is in the same family of terms used by Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1. A gathering, our gathering together to him is what it says in 2 Thessalonians 2.1. And Paul and the writer in Matthew in 29 talks about the episunag gathering. Which then sent me to look and say, now what kind of similarities are there between Matthew 24 and the writings of Paul in Thessalonians? And in my book, I, in, I find more than 25 one-to-one -one correspondences between Paul's theology of the Lord's return and the, re the return that's indicated in Matthew 24. So, well, that's coincidental. Maybe Paul was just kind of using a template, maybe. Maybe so. But it is worthy of your consideration. The only thing that I'm interested in you is helping you see that there are possibilities to how to understand God's word that does not necessarily follow the traditional pitch you've heard. 
and that as a good Bible student, you should be open to at least its investigation. But to be afraid to even look, to me, is unwise. Because I'm constantly reminded that there was a whole group of people called Pharisees, self-righteous, high-exalted know-it-alls, who totally missed the Lord's first coming. They missed it because it didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. He didn't talk the way they thought he should talk. He didn't dress and act, and he didn't hang out with the right kind of people, them. And because they didn't do that, they totally missed its significance. So here is a chart that I would say take, look, and examine to see if, in fact, it is consistent, no contradictions, doesn't violate any scriptural principles of good hermeneutic, And if so, then it is a viable option, something for you to consider as you are sobered by what the Bible talks about when we are going to be gathered. The next appearing of Christ for us is at his parousia, his coming. It's got to be a coming because he's not here. And at that time, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be episcenal. We're going to be gathered together to him, dead and alive. And we are going to triumphantly and gloriously leave this earth as the army of God with his Christ and go to that mansion he prepared for us in heaven. How long we'll be there, I don't know. But I am going to get to see that mansion in heaven because that's exactly what he said. And I believe what he said.